In this week's episode, we answer a voicemail, begin to discuss addiction, and talk more about externalization. Bringing hope and healing. It's your source for personal growth, mental health, and interesting ideas. Thoughtful Mind with Svee. Here's your host, Svee Hilsenrath. And welcome back to Thoughtful Mind with Svee. I'm your host, Svee Hilsenrath. I'd really like to start with some gratitude. One of the really wonderful things about this podcast for me is I can see all the different places around the world and throughout the United States where people are listening. And it's really an amazing, amazing thing. It's, it's mind-blowing to me. And so I'd like to thank one city every week. Just thank the people in that city for listening to the podcast. And this week, I'd like to thank the people in Seattle, Washington. Seattle, Washington, thank you for listening. We have some very exciting news. We have a giveaway later in the show to learn how you can get some Thoughtful Mind with Svi memorabilia. Keep listening. This week, we have a voicemail. I'm going to play the voicemail for you, but before I do, I just wanted to thank Menachem from Michigan. Thank you very much for sending this question in. If you want your questions answered, please feel free, as always, to use the voicemail line, 732-523-0061, or send your questions to thoughtfulmindpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to the website. There's a place there to send in any questions you might have. I'll be happy to answer them if I can. Let's get right to Menachem's voicemail. Hi, Tzvi. My name is Menachem from Michigan, and I'm really enjoying the podcast and want to share my gratitude for your role in helping my personal growth with interesting ideas about mental health. I particularly enjoyed your recent episode about externalization. I wasn't familiar with that concept. I know that you've worked with a lot of people who have substance use disorders, and I'm interested in your thoughts about 12-step programs and their interaction with this idea of externalization. It seems to me that the 12-step model encourages people to internalize their struggles with addiction. I noticed in the episode that you referred to working with an addict. Wouldn't calling someone an addict conflict with the idea of externalizing? Thanks for your help. I hope to hear back from you soon. So first of all, thank you very much, Menachem, for sending that in. Before I answer the question, I always like to have practical things for people to take away from my podcasts. I want someone to listen and come away with something they can do. When it comes to addiction, someone might think that it doesn't affect them and therefore they don't need to listen. In in this case, the practical step is just the knowledge. One in four people at some point in their life do suffer from some kind of addiction. One in three people currently has an addict as a family member or as a close personal friend. Understanding addiction can really help people understand what's going on in their lives and the lives of their loved ones. If you're worried that you might be addicted to a substance or behavior, we're going to be discussing addiction not only in this episode, but in greater lengths in later episodes. If you're worried that you might be a true addict, please seek professional help. Don't rely upon a podcast, even one as wonderful as this one, if you're worried that you might be an addict or that you might be suffering from addiction. Now, to answer Menachem's question, first of all, Menachem mentioned substance abuse disorder. While there are many different forms of addiction, most addictions fall into one of two categories, either a substance abuse disorder where the addiction is to a substance such as cocaine or heroin, or behavioral addictions such as gambling, shopping, overeating, internet addiction. As Yossi Muller pointed out in episode six in our interview with him, 
Some things can be both a substance abuse disorder and a behavior disorder, things such as food or smoking, and everything has a little bit of both. Internet addiction, the way that the screen interacts with your eyes, that can kind of be considered a substance. Even substance disorders such as the act of using cocaine or heroin or marijuana for that matter, there is a ritualistic part to it which is a behavior. So it's not just a substance abuse disorder. So there is overlap with all of it. I do find that people focus only on substance abuse disorders, again, heroin, cocaine, marijuana, nicotine. Uh, People might focus on that as opposed to behavior addiction, because it's much easier to see that as an addiction than something like internet addiction or shopping addiction. I don't like to focus only on substance abuse disorders as opposed to behavior disorders because although they might be more deadly and harmful in the short term, ultimately addiction is addiction and should be treated as such. Menachem spoke about the 12-step program and asked how the 12-step program and externalization interact. So let's talk a little bit about the 12-step program and some of the ideas that underpin it and then get to the question about externalization and its interaction with that a little later on. So the first thing that we need to talk about is what a 12-step program is. So 12-step programs, there are many of them. There's AA, which is the original, which is Alcoholics Anonymous. There's NA, which is Narcotics Anonymous. OA, which is Overeaters Anonymous, dealing with food. There are many, many, many different 12-step programs. All of them are based on AA Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the original 12-step program, started in the 30s. Maybe in a different episode, we'll get into the history of Alcoholics Anonymous, because it is a very interesting story, uh, one worth knowing. But all 12-step programs are based on the idea that a person is powerless against addiction and needs a higher power, God or some other form of higher power, to remove the addiction from them. In other words, a person cannot remove the addiction from themselves and therefore needs an outside force to remove the addiction from them. The 12-step program, the steps of a 12-step program, and there are literally 12 things that a person needs to do in a 12-step program, is basically a way for the addict to get out of the way of their higher power. An integral part of the 12-step program is the embracing of what's called the disease model, the idea that addiction is a disease like cancer or diabetes is a disease. A person would have the disease of addiction. I've heard addicts say that addiction is like cancer and that a person has cancer needs to go to chemo to address it. I would think that addiction might be more like diabetes in that diabetes is something that stays with a person for the rest of their life. Monitoring the intake of what somebody puts into their body can address diabetes. Sometimes a person might need to take medication. And in the same way that addiction is something that usually stays with somebody for the rest of their life, we'll get a little bit more into that in a little bit. A person needs to watch what they put into their body. In other words, the substance or the behavior needs to not come in um, or needs to come in in a healthy way. Like diabetes, something needs to be monitored and addressed, but does not necessarily have to get in the way of a person living a normal life. In the medical community, addiction is often referred to as disease in the DSM, which is the compendium of mental illnesses. Addiction is referred to as an illness. And there are certain facts that 
lend themselves to looking at addiction as disease. One thing is that there is a genetic factor to addiction, even when considering how a person is raised. The disease of addiction affects the brain, specifically the prefrontal cortex. It changes the brain so that the thing you would need to combat addiction is unable to do so. If, for example, a person has lung cancer, the part of the body that would take charge of addressing the cancer, in this case, the brain, scheduling doctor's appointments, eating healthy, follow-ups, going to chemo, all of those things come from the brain. So the brain is healthy and therefore able to address the lung cancer. However, when the brain itself has the disease, it affects the brain's ability to then address that disease. This is one of those things that causes 12-step programs to say a person cannot fight addiction on their own. They need an outside force to remove it. The brain is unable to address the disease of the brain because it's diseased. Some people would say that addiction is not a disease because it starts with a choice. All addictions, whether they're substance abuse-based or behavior-based, do start with people making choices that, over time, through repetition, become the disease of addiction. Well, let's look at heart disease. If a person eats unhealthy, that will lead to heart disease. Does that mean that heart disease is not a disease because it started with choices? Let's look at lung cancer or throat cancer, which are two cancers that are caused by smoking. The person chose to smoke, does that mean that lung cancer and throat cancer are not diseases? Some people may say that unlike heroin or cocaine or, or other drugs where the brain is physically changed and therefore that change may qualify as disease, behaviors should not be considered a disease because they don't cause brain changes, except they do cause brain changes. We now have brain scans that show that behaviors do change physically the brain, including for example, cell phone usage, smartphone usage specifically, or, or, or excessive internet use. We're going to talk about that in a different episode. Another reason people say that addiction is not a disease is because some people are able to end addiction alone through willpower alone. And unlike cancer, where you can't think away cancer, someone can theoretically end addiction by thinking alone or by willpower alone. And that is true. There are many people that end or change their relationship with addiction unaided. For example, smoking cigarettes. Most smokers that quit smoke unaided. The best way to quit smoking, studies show, is to go cold turkey. Now some people are unable to do that and they need medication or therapy or a 12-step program. It's important to realize that there are many different levels of addiction. The further somebody travels along the path of being an addict, the harder it is to quit unaided and at a certain point, it becomes impossible. So yes, there are many people that can address the disease of addiction on willpower alone. However, it does depend on the nature of the addiction, how long the person has been engaging in either this behavior or using the substance, as well as other factors. So it is a disease that at early stages might be able to be addressed by thinking alone or by willpower alone, but as it progresses, that becomes less and less an option and often is impossible as an option. Another idea that it's important to talk about when we talk about addiction and 12-step programs is the idea of abstinence versus moderation. Abstinence is the idea that a person just stops, and moderation is the idea that a person learns to control their behavior. So, for example, if a person is an alcoholic, somebody that is addicted to alcohol, abstinence would say they never take a drink for the rest of their life. Moderation would say the alcoholic learns to control their drinking to take one or two drinks and stop. 
Studies seem to show that abstinence is the most effective approach, but it also depends on the degree of addiction, and it's also important to realize that trying moderation can be a step toward deciding on abstinence. Abstinence sounds harder, so again, again, going to alcohol, it means that a person will never have a drink for the rest of their life. That sounds like a long time not to have a drink and sounds tremendously hard, but if you think about it, making a decision to never drink again is easier than every time a person drinks needing to control themselves to have only one or two drinks. And I also think it's important to realize that when you look at success for abstinence, the success is more dramatic if you stick to the strict definition of abstinence, meaning never again for the rest of their life. Maybe a person stays sober or clean for 10 years and then has a relapse and has a drink. Would you say that that person is a failure in the abstinence model? Not necessarily, because for 10 years they have sobriety and there's a good chance they can have sobriety or stay clean again. Whereas moderation, that battle is fought every single time. I do want to take a couple of minutes to talk about my own professional understanding of addiction and 12-step programs. So many, many years ago before I became a therapist, I read an article about 12-step programs. In the article, they claimed it was an abdication of responsibility against the idea that someone might have free will. In other words, if a person is saying that they are powerless over their addiction and need to rely upon a higher power, which, as we said before, is the basis of the 12-step program, that would be giving up responsibility for any actions and be giving up the idea of free will. Both of those things, responsibility and free will, I'm a big believer in. So therefore, I said, well, okay, 12-step programs don't sound all that great. Now, all these years later, having worked with people that have successfully stayed sober through 12-step program, I would say that all of those people have actually taken greater responsibility in their life. In fact, a large part of the 12-step program is to make amends to take responsibility for past wrongs and future wrongs and address them. All 12-step programs say the responsibility of recovery, the responsibility of taking the actions of getting sober, are on the addict. And as far as free will, I would say that the disease of addiction in changing the brain affects a person's ability to have free will in regards to the disease of addiction. Now, these two things sound contradictory, and they're not in a different time, in a different episode I'll go into why they're not. As I continued my education and training, I worked with supervisors that were not in favor of the 12-step model, and I fell prey to confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is the tendency to interpret new evidence based on our existing beliefs. Instead of changing my beliefs based on the evidence that I see, I change my view of evidence based on what I believe, and confirmation bias is very, very strong, and I fell prey to it in this case because... Here I was with these already existing beliefs about 12-step programs, and now the supervisor reinforcing it. I even had a client who was in active addiction. He was an alcoholic. He was struggling with alcohol addiction and did not seem to want to stop. And when we spoke about 12-step programs, he said he had gone to AA and hated it. And I was totally with him because, again, based on an article that I had read many years before, I already had the belief that 12-step programs were no good. And so I was totally with this guy. And then I was called out by my supervisor, the one who did not believe in 12-step programs. And he himself said, well, you know, a lot of people benefit from the 12-step program. So don't go bashing it. And the more I worked with people who struggle with and fight with addiction, 
the more I saw how a 12-step and disease and abstinence model can be helpful. For example, working with an elderly population in nursing homes, I've met many people who have decades of sobriety, of staying clean from especially alcohol. Pretty much all of them credited their success to a 12-step program, specifically AA. And the more time I spent working with people who were staying sober or were struggling with addiction, but had been a part of a 12-step program, the more I realized that my own misgivings were more matters of semantics than anything else. And I began to see that there was a lot of wisdom in the thinking behind 12-step programs. And there's a lot of wisdom in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And again, in a different episode, we'll get more into that. All this is not said that 12-step programs are for everyone or the only way to address addiction. However, it can be an effective way to address addiction, which brings us to externalization. So much of what we've been talking about has been the internal nature of the disease model of the 12-step program. In fact, my understanding is that when a person checks into an AA meeting, they say, hello, my name is Joe Alcoholic. So a person needs to identify, so a person needs to identify as an alcoholic, which is an internalizing as opposed to an externalizing language. The thing about externalization is that it's a tool. It's a very powerful tool, but not every tool is for every job. The way I like to think about it is this. Within everyone is a desire for their best interest, a desire to be good. I think within everyone is a lot of light to be shared with the world. And I think of externalization in terms of a solar eclipse. In a solar eclipse, the sun is covered from our point of view by the moon, and therefore there is darkness. As the moon moves away from the sun, first you see a small sliver, and then slowly and surely more and more light shines through. I think of this as a great way to describe externalization. I think that everyone has the light inside of them of goodness and positive self-interest, of wanting to help other people, wanting to bring to the world of wanting the best things for them in relation to their problems. And problems, in this case the problem being addiction, tend to cover that over and hide the light. This is why when people are so engrossed in their problems, their personalities can become hard because their inner light is being covered by the problem. Externalization is the process of starting to remove the problem from the person so that that light can shine through, and once that light shines through, it can help a person move their life in the direction they want. But as I said, it's important to remember that this is just a tool. It's a way of looking at things. And it is true that in the 12-step model, a person is encouraged to identify as an addict. However, I will say that the language used throughout the big book and with people that I've worked with is an externalizing language. So I've heard people that struggle with addiction say things like, my addict brain is making me do this, or my addict brain is making me think this way. And that's an externalization. Instead of saying, I'm doing this, or I'm thinking this, it's my addict brain is doing this. That's externalizing. The big book uses the language of alcohol had us whipped. And that is an externalizing language. An outside force, alcohol had us whipped, is defeating us. As a therapist, I want to be respectful for how other people view themselves. And at the same time, I want to be comfortable challenging those views and challenging those beliefs. Therefore, I'm comfortable using the word addict when it's a word that somebody uses to describe themselves, while at the same time realizing that I want to help a person separate 
themselves from the addiction. So both the disease model and externalization can be used concurrently because externalization is not only a tool to help people change their view of themselves, it's also a way to look at people. So at the same time that I'm comfortable respecting somebody's language of calling themselves an addict, in my brain I'm saying there's a person and there's addiction. Those are not the same thing. And we're going to help the person change their relationship with addiction. And it's also important to remember that we can externalize internal forces like cancer, as we spoke about in the externalization episode, because it's about the relationship that the person has with the disease. So thank you, Menachem, for your question. I hope this answered it. Now, earlier I said there would be another practical application of this episode, in addition to saying that if you're worried about addiction for yourself or a family member, seek a professional. Don't just rely upon this podcast as amazing as it is. But I also suggest try moderation or abstinence. One of those two things that we spoke about earlier, either stopping entirely or trying to limit yourself and see what results you get. Many people find that when they try moderation, they can't do it and therefore go for abstinence. And it helps people realize that they do have a real addiction problem. I hope that idea is helpful to you. Now, on to the giveaway we mentioned. We now have Thoughtful Mind with Tzvi stickers, very cool brain-shaped stickers. These stickers are part of a limited run, and we're going to be giving away seven of them. All you have to do is send in a question to thoughtfulmindpodcast at gmail.com. Anyone who sends in a question for an upcoming Q&A episode from now, Wednesday, May 22nd, 2019, until Tuesday, May 28th, 2019, will be entered into a raffle to win one of these seven prizes. So if you have a question, please send it in to thoughtfulmindpodcast at gmail.com. And everyone that sends in a question over the next week will be entered into the raffle. Unfortunately, this is only available to people in the continental United States. Hopefully, we can do giveaways for the entire world at a different time. These questions will be used for an upcoming Q&A episode of Thoughtful Mind with Svi. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank everyone that's been sharing on social media, as I've mentioned in the past, not on social media. So thank you for spreading the word. Thank you for people that left reviews on iTunes. Many people have rated the show on iTunes and... Thank you for that. And an extra special thank you to people that have taken the time to write out a review on iTunes. That's really appreciated. I do have a request that people share the podcast with their friends and family in real life. I did have two people come over to me telling me they recommended specific episodes of the podcast to friends and family. So thank you. I really appreciate that. As always, go out. Believe in yourself. <laughs>